Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Phil Mackey. You called him the little guy. I don't know why you have to pick on his physical appearance. Huh? I don't. He's a good-looking guy. Judd Zolgad. Grumpy SOB. Mm-hmm. He's a sweetheart. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves him. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Mackey and Judd is actually uh, Zolgad and Collar today. Phil out on the golf course um, with uh, with our program director, Brad Lane. and They are out at uh, the TPC Twin Cities. In uh, th- this morning, it was officially announced that we will be getting a PGA Tour event, a regular stop for the next uh, seven years at the uh, TPC Twin Cities in Blaine. Don't Matthew. make it too hard. Don't make it too tough. No, da- no dates yet. Yeah, yeah. God forbid it be too tough for these poor babies. These poor babies who get paid millions of dollars if they're successful. They, we don't want them to get upset. Don't put any Zach Johnson. No greens where it could roll off into rough. Make it difficult because then someone might. That's try what to they break would rules. do. Year one, they should just make it impossible. <laughs> make it as tough as you possibly can. So you, so you, you sat down last night, sir, and uh, in light of the uh, Phil Mickelson controversy, put together a list of controversies in which uh, people went absolutely crazy, and there wasn't a compelling case to do so. Yes. I, so I started just thinking of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one for me, and a lot of them involve Cam Newton, but just. <laughs> The number one is Cam Newton walking out of the Super Bowl press conference. He answered like 15 questions, and then there was like another interview going on in the back. It was right behind him. And he it was a stadium configuration problem. And he couldn't. He just couldn't concentrate, and he was really upset. Clearly, and he just got tired and, and walked off. But he answered a bunch of questions before that. People just don't like Cam Newton because he dabs and he doesn't act like some people think a he dresses funny for a quarterback. I right. guess, huh? Yes, yes, yes. So, like him walking out of that press conference was a nothing. And it turned into the same thing they did to Jay Cutler when he got hurt, but he didn't like rah-rah enough on the sideline. Like, Cutler is a jackass. But <laughs> I was going to say, Jay Cutler is. But, but he didn't deserve that, though. He had had a great year. He had won a playoff game, and he got hurt. And he couldn't go back in the game, and he looked miserable on the sideline. And that was your evidence that Jay Cutler wasn't a good leader or whatever else. It was really just creating a controversy over nothing. And if, if I'm right about the cam, the cam ordeal also involved him hearing a question asked of a Denver defensive back about shutting Cam down, and I think that's where he's like, I'm done here. Yeah. and But, it, but it, you know, 12 questions in, yeah, okay. Also, you just lost the Super Bowl. It's unimaginable frustration. LeBron walked out of a press conference, too, after people wouldn't stop asking him about J.R. Smith 
dribbling the basketball the wrong way. He walked out in his uh, suit and shorts. Hardly the first person to ever walk out of a press conference, yet with him, it was months of, oh, Cam walked out of his press conference. Uh, Brad Marchand (laughs) licking people recently. I don't know why he was licking people, and then they told him to stop licking people. Remember? In the, like, yeah, no, I remember it. He now, would like, lick visors and stuff. Now, my perception of that situation is it was just so bizarre, though, which it was, totally yeah. bizarre. I don't know if it was o- overblown so much as, why is a grown man trying to lick a grown man? Uh, <laughs> I don't understand. you pull that, Dave? I don't just, understand that. Replay that over and over again? Yeah, uh, um, that will happen. Yeah. <laughs> Market track market. Uh, but I'm serious. A grown man shouldn't lick a grown man. Those, those are the reasons on, on the ice. Everything to do with There's Josh. Anything wrong with that? Everything to do with Josh Rosen. Like, oh, he wore a hat on a golf course. Yeah, like he's clearly uncoachable. Yep. All that stuff was nuts. Kyrie Irving in the flat Earth. I've had enough here. You know this, right? But he they, won't stop. He's yeah, still he's at it. But they keep writing it. Like, why do they keep writing it? Just stop paying attention to Kyrie Irving talking about how the Earth is flat. I think he's messing with you. Uh, everything to do with... Um, I, I used to think he was. I'm not so sure now. and th- That's a different topic. Every LeVar Ball controversy. Yes. Every single one of them. Amen. Um, Deflate Gate clearly was one that just would not go away. And we couldn't get over it. It was just over and over and over Deflate Gate. It probably helped a little that he deflated the footballs. And maybe they were doing it for a long time and that's why they weren't fumbling. And that's wrong. And they shouldn't have done that. Also... I'm tired of hearing about it, though. Just figure it out. Suspend the guy or don't. Yep. And let's all move on from that. Do you remember the Jim Schwartz and Jim Harbaugh handshake? How can I forget it? It still lives on. How was that a real thing? A handshake that they wouldn't let go? Yep. Uh, Papa John. <laughs> Which part? <laughs> all of it. The it. Papa John making statements about the anthem was hilarious that Papa John was involved. It cost Papa John the... Uh... His deal. It did, right? They decided to go with Pizza Hut. Yeah, they left they left Papa John. Actually, upon reflection, I like that one. Go big. That Papa. one's that one's hilarious. Yep. Um, do you remember when Kevin Harlan said that Syracuse came back from the dead on Easter Sunday? Yes. Yes, I do. Now I felt that had a very short shelf life, though. It did, which, yeah. That wasn't actually brought up for that long, right? But for some reason, I really remembered it as being like this weird controversy that people had hot takes on. It's like, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a little strange to be bringing up like Christ the Savior during a basketball game. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, but, but yeah, I, I did feel that that one had had a little shelf life, but then it was at least gone. Because to your point about Cam and Deflategate, it's that you got hit over the head with those topics for how long? Like right. defl- yes. Deflategate was interesting. I'm not dismissing it, but the problem was six months after the fact, we were still talking about it. I think, and I had lost interest by that point. All of them that came to mind are ones that were either mind-numbingly dumb, like stuff that Lavar Ball says, and Lavar Ball should never have gotten that. He he is a product of our environment and society now. Lavar Ball never deserved attention, or they ever. Are, no, I agree. Or they are ones that just where people could turn the takes up to 11 and it was just trying to outshout each other about like who could be more upset about this. That That's what I just came to mind when I was trying to think of these different random controversies. Ohio State and tattoos and Jim Tressel getting fired and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Really, I mean, all the college football stuff 
with like players getting paid or this guy did this or this guy did that and this guy's suspended and this not guy's not suspended. This coach is classy, this coach isn't classy. And every single baseball time someone threw at someone else. Every single time. Or slid into a base, which resulted in someone throwing well, that's, someone. And that goes back to baseball and baseball's unwritten long. rules and written rules and what you can violate and what you can't. And if you bunt with if you bunt when you're down by too many runs, it's seen as being distasteful. That's what, until this Phil thing, baseball always has struck me as the most, what's the word, sanctimonious sport? Yeah. As the, oh, our rules, or you don't violate our rules. That's why this Mickelson thing to me was amazing, because it made baseball look like a, a small, it made baseball's elitist look like a very small group compared to the golf world, which just seemed to explode. So do you think that uh, this stuff does turn people off? I think with baseball it does. When it comes to the throwing at other guys for... Walking around the bases too slow or whatever it I might think be. Any sport, I think any sport that absolutely seems to refuse to adjust in certain ways, because baseball does adjust in some ways. I think any sport, though, that seems really um, stodgy and stuck in, in its ways starts to turn people off. Because I think it turns the, the kids off. Like, I don't think the kids watch Phil and think, Mr. Mickelson has ruined what I perceive to be the greatness of your sport. But I do think they look at the outrage about this and they're like, what? Really? I do that. Yeah, I don't think so. Yes, that, I think I think it does turn people off that you're trying to get to your sport because the old school goes so far overboard now. And there is a little bit of that kind of underlying conversation of where golf and baseball are because they are the two that stand far out in the unwritten rules or in the respect of the game sort of thing. And it's it's different everywhere. I mean, I'm sure that if you invented a new golf league, you just you thought, okay, I'm going to go with golf. How would I do it? You'd have a lot of the same rules, but you would probably be like, you know, maybe guys should just like really celebrate when they hit a great shot, or maybe they should have a little more fun out there or something, right? The golf club flip? Yeah, whatever the it is. Or, or riding it like a pony. I mean, I don't know. I mean... <laughs> Hockey's got these two. Hey, Tiger, we want you to do something. What's that? We you want you to ride the club like a pony. You remember when Nal Yakupov scored one of his first goals? Yes, and, and this was a huge deal. slid to center ice, and it had to be the same sort of thing. Yes. I think if you were reinventing golf, you probably would try to make it a little more fun. What Phil did wasn't fun. It was a childish outburst. But if we're having that conversation, like, yeah, the personalities are generally what draw people into basketball. For example, you know, I mean, like all the players seem to be allowed to be themselves, mm-hmm. and that league likes that. And you know, I'm, maybe you could call it disrespectful. I just call but, it allowing people to be themselves. But the difference in basketball, I uh, my perception of basketball and basketball players is that we very much know who the jerks are, and it's well known. So when they do something that is a jerk-like quality, we just call them on that, as opposed to saying you're destroying the game. If you're a basketball player and you are a jerk, Draymond Green, and he does something Draymond-like, we're not like, what he's doing is terrible for basketball. We say, this is typical of Draymond Green. he's a heel. And he's a heel. But right. Right. So if Phil's a heel, that's great. And maybe Being a heel. And maybe but nobody knows that. You look at it through two different lenses of like the, hey, we should play this very traditional sport the way that it's supposed to be played, the way that it's always been played. And I think that's fine. But if you're looking at it from an entertainment standpoint, then 
maybe you want it to be a little more cool or a little more where the guys feel like they can be themselves a bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, You don't want to go crazy in that, like, uh, where NASCAR guys were fighting each other all the time. Remember that? Like it seemed like after every race, some yeah, NASCAR. I, I so, was fine with it. I don't, I don't, I don't, little yeah. I don't need anybody taking swings penalties. at Phil after that. I I think it would if you got a little more personality out of the game and made it a little more fun. That's okay. I don't think what Phil did made it more fun. But when you see the outrage, you're like, okay, there's a lot of people who think way too much of themselves for me to feel like I would be accepted in this arena. Because I like touchdown celebrations, and I like Draymond Green being a heel, and I'm I'm cool with the entertainment element of it. And if golf slips behind because they don't have the next Tiger because he's not coming, and no, those are those don't come around very and much. And that conversation we're having with baseball, I'm listening to you guys talk with Chris Singleton, and it's like, well, you know, should we have uh, relievers only three relievers per game or something it's like? These are this is not the reason baseball is falling behind. It's not because they have too many relievers. It's because it's not that fun. I've come. I have come to the conclusion that baseball, if they really want to keep up, would need to make radical, drastic changes that are way outside the box. And I saw a stat this weekend: time of game, pace of play, six minutes have been shaved off. That's pretty good. Trips to the mound, I want to say, as of June 1st, we're down by something like 47%. That's pretty good. That is good. But guess what? Attendance is going lower and lower and lower. And I've come Hmm. to the conclusion that if you're going to get, and I don't don't necessarily want to be part of of this because it it would change the sport probably too much for my taste. But if you really covet and want that young fan to jump on, I mean, you're you're, you're actively doing things that people like me said you, you should do and would work, and right now it's not working. Yeah, and they even so brought, this goes on a scale that I don't even know that I that I can get involved in. They even as as um, lowered the laces to. Now, of course, they don't say this, but there was a, a really close look at the baseball where someone took apart the, athletic, the baseball, yeah. and they discovered that the laces are a little different than they used to be, and that might be what's causing more home runs. Plus, the guys focusing on home runs and teams building their rosters around home run hitters but balls are flying out of the park unlike they used to and i don't think that the general public really cares anymore i mean in 1998 they were really into sosa mcguire but there isn't that storyline in baseball that's bringing people in and there isn't that entertainment and fun value that's bringing people in either really what baseball is now outside of people like us who just love the game it's Hey, that ballpark is really nice. Yes. So we should go and spend a few hours there. And go drink there. Because it's really nice, and it's a great place to have a date. And Sunday Night Baseball, not really going to watch. And my local broadcast, I will. Local broadcasts do pretty well. Yes, but national Because they have all their big fans. But the national, on the national stage, they just don't draw you in with too many great storylines. And I think golf has the same problem. And that's why it was kind of like with this, exciting to be like, hey, golf's got a controversy for once. Exactly. Let's come back and discuss some potentially good news for the Twins. The show is Mackie and Judd, Matthew Collar, and for Phil. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout. Just have to make a little time to do it. On 1500 ESPN. You do life. Mackie and Judd now continue. Ready to be back in business or what? On 1500 ESPN. We're in the TCL Broadcast Studios. I have uh, some potentially good news that I found here via an ESPN Stats and Infographic. The easiest schedules until the All-Star break. Actually, 
believe it or not, the easiest schedule as far as the opponent win percentage goes is the Houston Astros. Oh, great! Who have won eleven consecutive games, which is it's which is rem- which is remarkable because I think they just completed a road trip that was eleven games. Uh, their opponent's win percentage, Matthew Collar, is four thirty six until the All Star break. But here's where the Twins are going to potentially get some help because if they don't do well now, you know it's really done. The Twins are second to the Astros. Opponent win percentage four fifty one until the All Star break. Because I just this is this goes back to what we talked about at the top of the show. This is all about clarity to me. Let's get clarity, and I would prefer that clarity be be being able to punt on two thousand eighteen. And address everything thereafter. So I think we're going to find out about Felvey and Levine and Twins management as we get closer here. Because if this team starts to get a little bit hot because the schedule is really easy, let's say Dozier starts to turn around a little bit, hits some dingers, they win a few games, the pitchers continue to be good. Maybe Buxton comes back and his toe is fine and he's tracking down every fly ball in center. He's got a few dingers and we start talking about... Oh, his swing, Judd, it's back. It's for the third year in a row in the second half, his swing is back. All those things start to happen, and you're around 500, and you're only five or six games out of the Cleveland Indians for first place, and you start talking yourself into it. Well, Urban's coming back. Sano's lost 23 pounds down there, and he's hitting 800 at single A. (laughs) Mikel Sano gets a weight loss endorsement. (laughs) (laughs) And so you could talk yourself into, with that schedule, this team being competitive. But you have a second baseman who does not have a contract after next year that you cannot lose for nothing. If you're not going to re-sign him and you're not going to keep him, then you have to trade him away. And remember, last year people got upset because they traded for Jaime Garcia, then immediately traded away Jaime Garcia. Yep. What a time it was in our lives, the Jaime Garcia era. The week. This time, I, I don't think you can be like that. I don't think you could be I'm, wishy-washy. I'm with you. Yes. I think you have to be yes. like, I don't care if we're 500. Dozier is going to bring us two big prospects, and that's what we have to do right now to be great long-term if we're not going to sign him. So the options with Dozier are you can either do what you just said, which is take him to the market before the July 31st deadline and trade him, and or you can uh, tender him as a free agent, have him walk away from you potentially. I mean, he could, he could take your uh, qualifying offer, but if he leaves you, then you get a uh, compensatory draft pick. I am much more intrigued by taking him to market and trading him. Yeah. I'm much more intrigued by trading Lance Lynn. I thought I thought for a while there that you could trade Lomo, but he's been awful. He's back to one what 190 or something you like that. You know who Lomo? <clears throat> awful. Excuse me. You know who he is? He's Kendrys Morales. Remember when they signed Kendrys Morales? Very smart move. Bring him in. June of that year. He's got that knee issue or whatever it was. And, you know, bring him in anyway. Broke his leg. And if he hits, we'll trade him. He broke his leg celebrating a walk-off home run. Yeah, jumping on home plate. His leg slipped and it broke. So then he's bad, and they just have to kind of, like, let him go. (laughs) And then he's good the whole rest of the time after he left, and he stole a base against the Twins. But I think if if you – so if you scuffle here up until the All-Star break, and your next series, what, you got Boston coming in, they're off today, but Boston coming in for uh, three. So it's not easy. Uh but if you scuffle until the All Star break, I think that does give you the definition that this team is done. And and I am completely with you though. I think that's the the dumbest thing that you could possibly do is see this team sort of get hot and be like, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna try 
and replicate what we did in uh, 2017, I think it the deadline, you've got to say, this is what we're doing, and this is the course we're taking. And Doge, you're gone. Lance Lynn, you're gone. Because you have the opportunity here to replenish your team. And and the other thing is, my, my part two of my, my punting on 2018 is this as well. When it comes to Buxton and Sano, I don't care about what they do for this team, the big league club, in 2018, Collar. All I care about is getting them right. So there's no rush to me. If we don't see Miguel Sano again until 2019, that's fine. It's far more important in both these cases to send these guys down. And, and the Twins actually made a smart move. that They announced Saturday that Buxton was going to Rochester today and would start his assignment down there on a Tuesday. But they said no timetable because the most important thing is this is your chance to get this right now. And you're running out of chances there. And so anyone who really thinks, well, they might come back in 18, and no, I don't care about that. Give up on that. The most important thing this team can do is get these guys right so if they are going to be good, they can contribute for years to come, not just come back, pop up again, get hot for a little while, and then go back into tailspins. Okay, let me see if I can make an argument for them not doing it, not kicking the can down the road even farther. Sure. One is opportunity. Now, I don't think that they could beat the Boston Red Sox, New York Yankees, or Houston Astros in a series. Then again, teams do that sometimes. Mm -hmm. In baseball, if you get in the playoffs, you have a shot a lot of times. And remember that Cardinals team that won like 84 games, and then Jeff Supan and Jeff Weaver guided them to success? Sometimes it happens where everything clicks right for a team. Uh, St. Louis did that another time where they beat the Phillies. The Phillies were way better. Remember Ryan Howard hurt himself on the final ground out or whatever it was. Yes. But like it happens that inferior teams can sometimes make a run. So that would be one. The other thing is that so much has gone wrong in the first half of the season and you're still hanging around in the race that you've got to think that things will start to swing the other direction in terms of your luck. And so let's say you've had this pretty good pitching and even even Lomo gets a little hot, and Dozier gets a little hot, and Polanco comes back, and Buxton comes back, even if we don't get Sano, even if not everything clicks, but just enough, you're right there in that race. And let's say you could add someone at the deadline that would put you in contention to potentially win your division. That might be worth it. If you went over the next three or four weeks and you played above 500 baseball and when we got to around starting where the trade deadline is, you're sitting there neck and neck with Cleveland. I think it would be a really hard argument to be like, yeah, we're going to dump our former 40 home run hitter. I see what you're saying, but here's here's the difference, at least in my mind. Because you're right. If you look historically at baseball, you can pop up in the playoffs, get hot, and go on a run. But I would argue that teams are so well-constructed now and so well thought out for years to come, Houston, the Cubs, that 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 has changed the scope. And I think 2018, if you're the Twins, it gives you an opportunity opportunity to spend as much time as possible getting two guys right, if you can. And if you get one right, that's still better than none. And just as importantly, it gives you a chance to make some moves to build your franchise up for years to come, if you make the, if you make the right moves. So... In 87, the Twins were great in the Dome. They were bad on the road. They got in the playoffs. They got hot. They stayed hot at home. They won the World Series. 
So I completely get your point. But I think we are going in a direction now where I would rather build stability for years to come, or at least what I perceive to be that, than to take a potential run in a bad division at something I don't know that I can get. I think the question would be how much do you hurt yourself? If you're looking at two, three years from now, you have a number one overall pick who's going to be probably your franchise shortstop. You have another prospect in the minor leagues who's got a great chance to be your longtime starting second baseman who's done really well at every level. You've got young pitchers who are coming up. You've got Barrios looks like a top-end starter. You have Romero who looks pretty solid. Uh, Some bumps in the road lately, but a major league pitcher. Gonsalves is on his way. Maybe Gibson's figuring it out. Like, Does it really hurt you a lot to not move Dozier as opposed to how much it might help you to go for it this year. And there there should be the other part of it, too, is that Twins fans have just been sitting here in this malaise for how long? Of just well, yeah, There's a business. Yeah, They're a team. A they certainly have jerseys and a stadium. But, uh, I mean, last year offered a little bit of excitement, but I didn't get the sense people bought it. Maybe this year there could be that sort of fervor if you were chasing the playoffs. J.D., go ahead. So... Dozier, they, they can't really trade Dozier because they've already tried and there wasn't much of a market for him. None of the big playoff contenders really need a second baseman. They're the, the blueprint for Brian Dozier this coming offseason, from Falvey and Levine's perspective, is Mike Moustakis. Moustakis thought he was going to get a nine-figure deal and ended up signing like one year, eight million or something like that with Kansas City with his tail between his legs. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't, uh, I, I can't help but think that that's exactly what's going to happen with Dozier this offseason. And he hasn't done anything to help his trade value mm-hmm. either this season. This is correct. So it, you know, it'd be great to get three top prospects for him, but it's just not going to happen. And Thanks, JD. It's always really hard well, to figure that out so right the, now, right? So, so the background is. Dozier has been signed to a very team-friendly contract that's going to expire after this season. The Twins, in Falvey and Levine's first year after taking over, put Dozier on the market. They had an offer from the Dodgers, Jose De Leon, a pitcher who was then subsequently traded to Tampa Bay. The Dodgers were going to send him here. The Twins wanted more, and exactly what more was, from what I heard, was a lot more in some cases, and the Dodgers are like, no way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wouldn't say he has no value. I would say that if you think you're going to get two top prospects, that's probably too much. Uh, but but JD's point is a great one, and this is where outside of Machado and Harper, I don't think baseball is, is in a place now where where the off season that we just came off of with guys being out there for a long time, Matthew. I don't think that's going to be the the rarity. I think that's going to be outside of top level guys. I think it's going to be the norm that guys like Brian Dozier hit the market and go, "Whoa, I expected more." Yeah, that, no, I don't think this is going. True. I think this, I think this is now a trend. That's probably these guys true. are pretty smart. So I'm thinking about a team like the Washington Nationals. Um, do you remember when the, their jerseys said Nationals instead of Nationals? <laughs> no, I don't. Okay, well, esoteric joke. Anyway. So uh, I enjoyed it with with, with, the, with the Nationals. Now I know they've got infielders, but you look at them as being desperate that they're on. If Bryce Harper could potentially leave, they want to win. They've been competitive for a while now. 
They need to get over the hump at some point. Yep. Like, would they, someone like that, I remember with Oakland. Remember when Oakland got desperate because they knew that all of their prospects had come to a head. About four years ago. And they traded away uh, Addison, Addison Russell, Russell for Cubs. Jeff Samarja. Yep. And it blew up in their face, yeah. But, I mean, it, 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 it usually does with teams that make those desperate moves. All it really takes is one of those teams for the Twins to find to give them someone really good in terms of prospects. As a general thing, I agree that teams don't make these kind of crazy, desperate moves as much as they used to, but if there's the one team that's out there that might do it, maybe it's them. And and if you're the Twins, maybe you look at these next couple of weeks as, if we're competitive, we're just going to agree with... we're just going to agree with the caller there, and we're just going to say, look, you know, we're not going to get a whole lot, so we might as well just go for it. But if you go in the tank over these next few weeks, even with a light schedule, mm-hmm. you've got to be hunting for anybody oh, you're done then, who yes. will take them if you're not going to re-sign them. But I, but I agree about, if you're talking about Dozier and the open market, he's a guy that's got a lot of home runs, but he doesn't have a high, super high OPS. He's not a spectacular fielder. He's just okay at well, second glove, base. Gold glove last year. You but heard he, me. I know. He's just okay. The gold glove's the big, one of the biggest jokes around. I at know. second base, he's just okay. Yeah, he is. And maybe if he's not hitting home runs at the same rate, they might say, oh, well, maybe he's not going to continue to hit 30 if you get a pros- home runs. If, if you get a prospect for him, you take it. I think you probably have to. And and something we touched on a little bit earlier, like if they do that, though, if they kind of punt on the season, even if they're around 500, will we? I mean, will it just be more of kind of, eh, twins, typical, this is who they are? Mm-hmm. Or do people get to a breaking point with this team where they are really, really frustrated that they haven't won in a couple of years here with Falvey and Levine? Dave, what's coming up in stuff? A uh, problem when you don't know what the leaderboard says, using racial stereotypes to your advantage. And Charles Barkley was on Family Feud. Mackie and Judd resume things following these messages. That is good news. On 1500 ESPN. Phil Mackie, Judd Zolgad. Let's make this older, dumpier, and whiter. (laughs) Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. And stuff you should know about is sponsored by Firestone Complete Auto Care. Head into Firestone Complete Auto Care to get $60 off per axle on a standard brake service. Whatever you drive, drive a Firestone. Coupon required. Restrictions and exclusions apply. Details at driveafirestone.com. Twin City sports fans are chanting for right now. Mackie and Judd continue with stuff you should know about. I want to know. Full admission, Dave Harrigan. I have completely forgotten where the uh, where the woo is. Yeah, oh, wait, I wait, wait. Wait, I found it. Hold on. Hold, wait, wait. Woo! Bright pink. That's I'll, screaming at you. I'll, I'll do it three times woo! now. Just to make up for the two times. There you go. Really upsetting. That was that was golf writers when something happened that was controversial. Woo! We actually (laughs) get to write something. (laughs) As opposed to analyzing someone's chip on sixteen. You're right. They missed Tiger. I'll prove our self righteousness. Run to the keyboard. Run to the keyboard. Uh, Let's start with the family feud. About the children. 
Uh, we were running Family Feud now on Channel 5, uh, ABC, by the way, I guess now on Sunday evenings. And last night it was a grudge match between the NBA on TNT family, Ernie, Shaq, Chuck, <laughs> Kenny, and Kristen Ledlow, against an MLB family that included uh, what, a bunch of guys. It doesn't matter. It's John, baseball. No John one, Franco don't worry about it. No one cares. Jimmy Rollins and no Jenny one cares Finch about baseball. was on there. Anyway, uh, it got to Chuck Barkley, and things went a little bit off the rails. If a man zipper breaks a church, what might he use to cover it up? A child. Wow. Whoa! Oh, my God. A what? A child! The man gonna get us locked up. Wait. Oh, I, I, I meant a baby. Oh, no. You the worst. Then he tried to fix it. He said, I meant a baby. That's worse. That's worse. That's worse. <laughs> it was crazy. It's probably going to be up there, though. Uh, Somebody's child. <laughs> yeah! uh, what just happened there? Apparently, you... Use a child so or a baby right? to cover your yeah. Uh, so he got fly. So this was actually it, it was person that was on the board. So, but yes, a child okay. is a person, so it counts. But yes, you would hold a child a or ba- a baby over your. <laughs> I fly. love how he thought a baby was going to fix it. You know, oh no, I didn't mean a child. I meant a baby. <laughs> no, that actually makes it even worse. Uh, still kind <gasps> of weird. Um, when it comes to game shows on TV, current old game shows, do you watch them? No, I really don't. don't. I used to as a kid all the time. I don't think I watch any now, or I don't watch any now. Every so often, the channel ends up on the old game shows, and you can sit there for a couple hours and watch like the way back family feuds and stuff and be like, why am I doing this? But they kind of draw you in. Newlywed game. Right? Newlywed game. Watch the old ones. They are uh, <laughs> uncomfortable at best, but they're funny. Match game. Oh, yeah, Match Game. Match Game is great. Love Match Game. Match Game is fantastic. You just like the phrase, making whoopee. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Bob. Poor Bob. Bob had to put up with a lot. Matt Stipulkoski is one of those guys that was covering the U.S. Open. He writes for NJ.com. Spun a little yarn, gentlemen, about Paulina Gretzky, fiance of Dustin Johnson, and the two ladies she was with as they were taking in the end of the tournament yesterday. As Johnson approached his 13-foot birdie putt on the 72nd hole at Shinnecock Sunday, Gretzky and two other women ducked under the ropes for a close-up view. The three women were less careful with their excitement than Bob Kepka, he's speaking of in reference to Brooks's father. When Johnson's putt toppled in the hole, the trio erupted in euphorics, hugging, screaming, arms flailing. After all, Johnson had just taken solo third. (laughs) Then... Just as Brooks Kepka prepared for a tap and bogey and to secure his second straight U.S. Open title, came the words, "Did Justin or did Dustin just win?" <laughs> what? Which of the three women said those words was not quite clear. <laughs> what is going on here? And by, and by the way, any relative of the great one who is falling around a guy in third and thinks it's great, what what the what's the world become? I mean, you're a Gretzky. If you're not, if you're not ahead by 13 strokes, something's wrong. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You're upset right now. Not yes, as upset I as am. the South Korean soccer team. They lose to Sweden earlier today, and this probably just makes them even more upset than they already were. 
Uh, South Korea had a little problem when it was discovered Sweden's manager had uh, snuck in and he was spying on one of the South Koreans' practices. Oh, yes. Very Belichick. Luckily, the manager of the South Korean bunch had a very clever solution. He took advantage of the stereotype that white individuals have difficulty discerning between different Asian individuals. (laughs) Yes. Told his players to swap jerseys. Quote, we switched them around because we didn't want to show our opponents everything and to try to confuse them. They might know a few of our players, but it is very difficult for Westerners to distinguish between <laughs> Asians. And that's why we did that. Good for I, it. That's genius. I like it. I like it. I do too. Absolutely genius. If only they could have done the same thing with the Flakegate. Or not Deflategate, Spygate. Spygate, yeah. If they could have done the same thing. Like, all right, everybody <laughs> change jerseys. You all have helmets, so no one can tell who's who. Who uh, who won that match, by the way? Uh, Sweden did 1-0 on the uh, penalty kick. It didn't matter. I have never seen more guys hurt in my life, I don't think. (laughs) More guys rolling around on the grass than during that match. It's a fun time. The number of people who get hurt to try to delay the game, the dives. I see some people get upset about the dives. I think they're hilarious. I mean, this guy, he just did it right now. No, where you have a are. game on. But it's, it's because you don't have to watch it constantly. I think that's why. That could be it. I enjoy it, but if I actually watch this sport all of the time, I think it would get really annoying. This guy's running with the ball. Another guy bumps into him. Hey, what's he launches like, himself a to the field yeah. and then holds up something looking like, he I want a yellow card. I want a yellow he card. Wants a card. I want a yellow card for that guy. When he just launched himself down. More gurneys. That's what I want. More, bring out more gurneys. Well, let's get to uh, one highlight of the World Cup before we get out of here then. This is from Jorge Perez Navarro. He's one of the guys that calls the game on FS1. He was on the Denmark versus Peru call, a game I'm sure you guys are both tuned into. And uh, not only does he does he do his best Andres Cantor impression, he's the famous goal guy. Uh, but you'll recognize a little uh, little something at the end of this. There are three Danish going forward. This is Paulson. The strike! Goal! Oh! By Denmark! Boom! Goes the dynamite! Boom goes the dynamite. <laughs> he brought us a boom goes the dynamite. That is, at the same time, fantastic. I would have a stroke if I tried it. Like, if I tried to hold something that long, I would have a stroke. Physically exhausting. I would collapse. But But, but boom goes to dynamite. Man, it's it's... It's been what fifteen years since then. So I did. Oh, yeah, I, I did four years of minor league play by play, and I did not have a home run call. It was just, you know, whatever was sort of there. It's deep to left, no, no and it's over all the wall. And no, I didn't. If you had a home run call, what would it be? Did I just steal something from questions of significant importance? Maybe you just added something. Yeah, because I I would need to think about it. Okay, I want you later in the show to give your... We should give all of our... What our home run calls would be if we were intentionally trying to come up with them. John Sterling style or Boom Goes the Dynamite guy. (laughs) John Sterling style. Let's play a best of Sterling. Oh, That's my favorite. It's all Glaber Taurus at this point. It's, it's Glaber Day. It's so good. Like Glaber. a good Glaber yes, Taurus is there. Oh, you got to play that for collar. It's, it's. Oh my gosh. It is a glorious. It's so bad. It's great now. Mm-hmm. Like there, there was a while where I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And now I look forward to it. He's a delight. All right, take a break. Come back. Uh, Mackie and Judd today is all getting collar. 
Sit tight. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. We'll be back in the game before you know it. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Phil Mackey. Out of shape, overweight, and as I continue to say on this show, he doesn't take it seriously. Judd Zolgad. Judd is simply getting old, crotchety, and jaded about sports. <laughs> Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Did you purchase a Garage Logic 25th anniversary pint glass? Well, listen up. We've got another pickup day set. It's Saturday, June 23rd. That will be this coming Saturday. The 1500 ESPN promo team will be set up on the front lawn at Hubbard Broadcasting between 10 and noon distributing glasses. You will need to have your vouchers or a valid ID to claim your glasses. You will also receive your free town hall pint when you come. More details on the Garage Logic and 1500 ESPN Facebook pages. Swung on and hit in the air to center field and deep. Allen back, away back, on the track, at the wall. It's gone into the Yankee bullpen. It is a walk-off. Ninth inning, one out. Three-run home run by Glaber Torres. It is Glaber Day. And he is the Glaber of the month. Oh, <laughs> oh it's so, so bad it's great. Why? But you can't double up. You can't double up. You, you, oh, you're John Sterling. You can no do whatever way. the you-know-what-you-want, you Matthew That's Crowley. too much. The problem is, I love away. Glaber of the Month. Yeah. And he got rid of that one in in favor of going with Glaber Day, and mm. then to, like a good Glaber, Taurus is there. Which oh, we did have another sure. clip of him screwing up. He actually went, like a good neighbor, like a good Glaber. Oh, my gosh. You know, I used to live in a market where... He was on for every single game. And on a nightly basis, there will be pop-ups into right field that become home runs. And his oh, home yeah. his home runs yeah, all start. Those. So they don't just they end like that, and that's what we always play, but they also start with it is high, it is far, yep. it is gone. So mm-hmm. he'll say that first. And there are many times, I would say on a weekly basis, it is high, it is far. It's uh, caught in right field. What's the one Dave played for a while? I want to say where he actually had a ball. He gave that call, and I think he had the ball being gone. And Suzanne Waldman had to come on and say, uh, "Actually, that was caught." Oh, and he yeah, and, and he apologized. John actually, I think he said caught. like, "Oh, sorry, I got fooled by that one." He also fa- <laughs> he also famously years ago, I believe, screwed up a Jason Kubel. He said that Jason Kubel, I think he mispronounced, I think he got the wrong name. I think he might, he might have called him Justin and said that he had, had just hit a Grand Slam home run for Toronto when, in <laughs> fact, they were playing the Twins. This is back when the Twins still beat the Yankees on occasion. But he, it's, I remember if I, I I'm almost positive of this. When I first got cable in 82 and Braves games on TBS, I think he was calling he Braves was. games. And there was none of, I don't remember the shtick. Like, I don't remember any of this. This just over the top. I mean, he's always sort of had the announcer voice going for him, but I don't remember the shtick of the calls. I didn't have cable growing up, so I used to listen to the Yankees baseball games every night. And with him and Michael Kay was on the radio at that time. And he had like one or two of them. 
So he had there was burn baby burn when he would when Bernie Williams would hit a home run. I remember that one, yeah. And that's the all I really remember. And at some point, I think it was when Tashera and A Rod were on the same team, and then it was a text message, and it was an A bomb for A Rod. Oh, yeah, You're yeah. on the mark, Tashera. Yes, yes. <laughs> that's that's where. <laughs> That, that's where he got a little attention for himself, mm-hmm. and then he really started to turn up the heat. So oh, is then, that okay? Yes, makes and, sense. All right. And I used to listen sometimes to WFAN, which is their big, you know, radio station in New York City, and they would break them down, and they get a new player. They would, no matter who it was, it could be like a third string catcher. They'd call up, you know, and they'd be like, "All right." John Michael Ryan, or whatever his name yep. was, Murphy Ryan, Michael, what was his name? John Ryan Murphy. Ryan right? Murphy. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, they, Former you know, twin, now with the the D-backs. Yeah, when they traded him there, yeah. it was like, all right, what are they going to do? You know, how are they going to make some stupid pun out of this? And I enjoy the stupid puns as much as anybody. But the one thing about him in particular is he's doing it so much just for himself. Of Not course. even because it's fun and fans enjoy it. He's old. He doesn't care what you he think. He thinks it's great and he loves the attention. <sighs> there, There are... There are, he's gotten to a point now though where I just enjoy it because it's just so bad. Uh, we've still got a couple hours to go on the show. We got Vikings talk. We are actually going to Matthew Collar talk about the team to which you are a season ticket holder. Okay. The links, what's gone right, what's gone wrong and what might potentially go right here after they beat New York on Saturday. The show is Mackie and Judd. Matthew Collar in for Phil Mackie today. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. And we're out. On 1500 ESPN.